be inaugurating a president who actually believed in the principles that we are here for today. But what's particularly disheartening for me in this moment is to realize that although we talked in really exigent terms in the course of that campaign, we talked about healthcare being a human right and that it was an exigent crisis. We talked repeatedly about the fact that 68,000 people die every year from a lack of healthcare. We talked about these issues like nothing could wait. And now I'm realizing in this moment that a lot of the people that I respected in both the left media and in politics seem comfortable with the idea that the timeline is now being extended by years, if not decades. And that has been a real mask off moment for me and for a lot of us, I think. You know, I, I feel like sometimes I was just the most naive person in the world <laughs> because I actually believe the things that we said. There was a reason that I felt compelled to leave a fairly comfortable job to go into left journalism because I believe that certain things needed to be said because we couldn't wait. And there was a reason that I left my job in journalism that I loved and believed in to go and join a campaign and give up a certain amount of security because I believed that it was worth it for what we, what we were fighting for at the end of the day was worth it. And now to hear that a lot of people seem to believe that we can extend these timelines, that the things that we said was just mere sloganeering is really disheartening. But what is heartening is seeing how many of you are willing to stand up and keep saying what is right and keep speaking truth to power no matter what the consequences are. Because some of us aren't angling for MSNBC contracts. Some of us aren't in this for a career in politics or a job on the Hill. And I take seriously what some people have said and the objections that they've had um, about the idea that we should be coming to this from a, a place of love as opposed to anger. But I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. Thank you. And I think that a lot of people are angry because too many people have lost the folks that they loved. I want to talk a little bit about the specifics of what we're fighting for and what is kind of behind the mask off moment. Why, why we feel like we can't keep giving politicians the benefit of the doubt. I think a lot of us here probably worked hard to get people like AOC elected. Um, the reality is we have, we, 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 we thought that she would do her duty and that's why people like Justin Jackson online put to her kindly, openly, hey, AOC, what about this? What about this idea? What about this strategy? Have you considered it? And it was not until the response that we got was so superficially empty. It wasn't until we were told, oh, we can't do this right now because we need to use this leverage to get a $15 minimum wage that's already passed the house that Joe Biden has already signed on to. It's not that we're not willing to give people the benefit of the doubt but they can lose that benefit when they throw it back in our faces and expect us to just eat the ice cream that they're shoveling for lack of a better word, you know? So we, we've been told, I've been told, let me just, I'll, I'll personalize it. I've been told that I'm naive, that this is electoralism, that this is volunteerism. But the reality of the situation is this is one of the few times that the left has held real power. We did the thing they're advocating for. We worked to get a critical number of progressives in Congress. They're there now, and finally, we're in a situation where they have enough power to actually do the thing many of them ran on, 
which is to oust Nancy Pelosi. At, at the very least, at the bare minimum, they can use that leverage to extract substantive concessions for the policies that they have said are existential concerns, that were existential concerns before we got in the middle of a global pandemic in which 15 million people have been kicked off of their employer-based health insurance. And now we're being told that this isn't the right time to have a public conversation about the frailties of our healthcare system, that there is no benefit to having a debate at the highest in the highest halls of power, that there is no benefit to having a public debate in which the, the members of the squad and other compelling speakers can call out members of both parties who take obscene amounts of money from these industries to pretend that we can't have Medicare for all in the richest country in the history of the world. I'm, I'm sorry, there, there is no amount of outrage that is overstated. And I just want to say that I hope you guys continue to feel confident and entitled to make the kind of trouble that you're making right now. Because for a lot of years, I'll confess, I didn't feel that way. You know, I, I sat in my apartment on quarantine like a lot of people over the course of the summer, and I watched the protests and I walked in the protests, and I waited for a moment for people to start to connect the anger of the people in the streets to the people who were legislating and the people who were, who were advocating to be in the highest branches of government who were saying nothing about the issue. And when they did say something about the issue, they said, let's fund the police more. And I waited for some of these leaders on the left to say, wait a minute, it's not just Republicans who are causing the problems. You know, there, there is responsibility on both sides of the aisle and the people who want to be president of the United States in this moment should be accountable to the movement in the street, a movement that was the largest social justice movement in American history. And I waited patiently because I trusted in leadership. And I said, well, I'm not an organizer. I don't have experience. Let me just wait to see if someone else steps up. But I gotta say, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of waiting. I don't see help coming from any, any secret ranks. I don't think there's any secret plots happening. I don't have a lot of confidence that there's secret strategizing happening behind the scenes. And I've seen how people lose their minds if you say the simple truth. I, I am old enough to remember trending for an entire day on Twitter because I had the audacity to simply say, hey, Kamala, it's really good that you want to cover people for having COVID. But how is that any different from people who are sick or dying from other kinds of ailments, like diabetes or cancer? You know, we are facing an accountability crisis fundamentally in this country. The reason that we don't have Medicare for all it's because the people in leadership aren't willing to say who is responsible for us not having Medicare for all. 88% of Democrats support this policy and nearly 50% of Republicans do as well. And yet barely 50% of House Democratic leader membership supports Medicare for all. That gulf is not there because the people don't want it. It's because no one is holding leadership accountable to their constituents. We have a media apparatus that's completely unwilling to play. We have a, a lefty media apparatus that's largely silent on this issue as well. And when we do have opportunities, no one is willing to name names and call out members of Congress, including people who are civil rights heroes. You know, including people like 
Jim Clyburn, who happens to take more money from the pharmaceutical industry than anybody else in Congress. We can't be afraid to say these kinds of things. At the end of the day, without accountability, we're not gonna make any progress in this area. And, and it's gonna be uncomfortable, and they're going to be people that we all have liked and supported and admired and fought for and donated to and marched for that are going to be uncomfortable, that are going to be targets of this kind of criticism. As they should be. They took this job because they wanted to be public servants, not because they wanted to be celebrity public figures. And it's gonna be hard because they are beloved and you are going to be vilified and called every name in the book. You're gonna be Bernie bro to death. But here's the thing, we've been through it before. <laughs> We're battle tested and thick skinned. And most importantly, we know we all have each other's back. And that sense of solidarity is the most important and precious thing to me right now. And I gotta say, just on a personal note, it has meant so much to me to know that there is so much real grassroots support for all of these issues that is bigger and bolder and stronger than any of the commitment that was given to any singular candidate or, or, or political campaign. We believe in issues, not just individual people. And that is the greatest strength of this movement. So I feel like I've been going on for a really long time. I just want to say thank you so much for not stopping this fight. Please continue to let me know how I can boost and uplift this movement in any way possible. I want to thank everyone who organized this event today. Um, and this is just the first of many. The first of many. Thank you. Force the vote. Thank you, Brianna. Oh, oh. Damn, that was cool. Okay, so...